Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. What is it that you need, and where do we really get what we truly need? This is John chapter 1, verses 19 to 34. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they've been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we reflect on your word this morning, that you would take this word and it would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts. That by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would sink this deep into us that it may truly change the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I have a question for you. Who here really loves to have a clean house? Yes, yes. We all love, even, even the children among us, would love to have a clean house. Now, who really loves to clean their house? I mean, I mean maybe some. Some people like to clean. But here's the frustrating thing about cleaning and houses. No matter how much you clean, no matter how good a housekeeper you are and keep everything picked up and keep everything clean, it, it never ends. It never ends. The house will not stay clean. Suzanne and I both, we, we love to have a clean house. To be perfectly honest, neither one of us is really much on cleaning the house. But part of that is because We just have this feeling like once we clean something, it should stay that way. But it doesn't. And I would like to say that it is because of the children, but the children will quickly and easily tell you it's not just them. It's just just the way houses go, right? We clean things and they have to be cleaned over and over and over again. This is the nature of this world, that things do not stay clean. And it is this constant cycle of, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to clean. I'm trying to keep it clean. And it's not just in the cleaning of houses. This happens in relationships. This happens in workplaces. This happens in our spiritual lives, the way we think about ourselves, the way that we think about God. 
we're constantly saying, I messed up. Things got messed up. I did something wrong. I hurt somebody. Let me try to do better. Let me try to do better. And how does that go? Sometimes it goes well. Sometimes there's a time where you're like, I'm on it. I am doing better. Sometimes you're like, I just keep trying and I can't get better. This was the situation when John the Baptist came on the scene in the first century. So the John that they're talking about here in the Gospel of John, the John is not the author of the Gospel. The John here is John the Baptist. And for those of us who, who grew up in the church, who have read our Bibles and that kind of thing, sometimes John the Baptist can seem kind of a minor bit player in the story where he's just like, hey, he's the guy that baptized Jesus. He's the guy that said Jesus is coming. But if you were back there in the first century, John the Baptist was a really big deal. John the Baptist was a remarkable figure. He was a prophet. He came on the scene at a time where people were, were wondering, like, where is our God? The people of Israel had a long tradition of the prophets who had spoken to them, but they had been exiled for their disobedience. They had come back to their land, but they're still trying to figure out who they are. And they're also, uh, they keep getting conquered by and other empires. The Greeks took them over. The Romans took them over. They're right now under the authority of the Romans. And they're looking for their God to come back and put them in charge again and be in charge of them. And they're looking for words from their God. And they know that they have this problem that they keep messing up. And so here comes John the Baptist. And John is wearing camel's hair. He's got a leather belt around his waist. He is eating grasshoppers. I mean, it says locusts and wild honey, but grasshoppers is much cooler. I mean, that's what locusts are, right? They're just really big grasshoppers. Like, John was a weird guy. He was like your classic crazy religious prophet, and he was out in the desert. And he was saying, you need to get ready. God is coming. It's like a classic street preacher message. Judgment is coming. Turn and get ready for him. And the masses came out, and they came out and said, yeah, John, John, you're right. We have done wrong. That's why they were coming to be baptized. And they were asking him, John, what do we do? What do we do? We, we want to get right before God. And so John is baptizing them with the baptism of repentance. That they are saying, we want to turn back to God. But the remarkable thing we find here in the Gospel of John is that John the Baptist's message to them and his message to us is not just you need to turn and get right with God. His real message is, you need more. Yes, I am baptizing you for the, I am, I am seeing your desire for repentance. You are right that you need to repent and change. But you need so much more. That is the message that this baptism of John, this going into the water, this renewed religious commitment, this desire to clean your house, to do it really well, is not going to cut it. It's not going to be enough for you. And we know that. We know that this is a failed cycle, that we just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. We need more. We cannot take care of our own sins. We cannot take care of our own shortcomings by our own effort. We need more. And John the Baptist is telling us, John the Apostle is telling us, God himself is telling us that Jesus is what we truly need. That Jesus, only Jesus has what we truly need. And so... We have to turn to Jesus alone for what we need. And there's three things that John tells us here about three ways that he explains that Jesus is what we truly need. First, he shows us that Jesus rises above human leaders. 
Secondly, he tells us that Jesus takes away sin. And third, he tells us that Jesus gives the Holy Spirit. These are what we need. We need the one who rises above human leaders, who takes away our sin, really takes it away, and who gives us the Holy Spirit. So first, we see Jesus rising above human leaders. This is what we see, and, and this can be a little bit weird. Like, why are they asking John these questions in verse 20? The, the, or verse 19, they come say, who are you? And that's because of the context. That's because of, they were looking for a savior. They were looking for somebody to lead them. They were looking for a king, really. But, but a powerful prophet will do if you will lead us to victory. And so they say, well, who are you, John? What, what are you doing here? And John constantly and always says, no, 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 it's not me. He is pointing to Jesus who rises above human leaders. John's like, nope, not me. I am not the Christ. John is simply a human leader, but John is the best of human leaders, the best of human prophets who says, look, look, somebody else, somebody else is coming. He says it again uh, in verses 20, uh, where does he say it again? He says it again in verses 26 and 27. I have it right here. John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. I mean, think about, think about what this means in terms of who John is. He's a prophet. He's a preacher. The crowds are coming out. They're following him. He has disciples. He has people who are hanging on his every word. And yet he says, no, 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 no. Not me. Somebody else. Because John knew, and John wants us to know, because what we need to know is that only Jesus will do. Only Jesus rises above human leaders. And so our great, this is, this is what every, the, the great desire of every faithful pastor, every faithful preacher, even every faithful Christian seeking to love and help their friends should want to hear, you have made me love Jesus more. You have not, it is not you that I am enthralled with, it is Jesus. You have turned my eyes to Jesus. This is our role. This is our job, to, to speak to one another. This is the role of the church, the Christian community, to say to one another, I am not what you need. We are not what you need. Jesus, Jesus is what you need. And to the extent that we walk together as a community and we help one another out, it is in the ways that we are pointing one another to Jesus. The, the church that I was part of in Atlanta uh, before I moved up here, uh, to, to start resurrection. The church that I was part of there, the, the kind of key motto and phrase that we used there was that said, we are all priests. We are all priests together. We are a, a community of priests was our key phrase there. And that we said that what does a priest do? A priest connects people to God. And that is a beautiful picture of what we are to be. What we are to be as, as Christians. We are people who do not point one another to the latest human leader whether that's a religious leader or a political leader or a local church leader or a pastor or anything, we're not pointing to them. We're not looking to them ourselves. We're not trying to be that for ourselves. We're not trying to say, look at me. I will tell you what you need to know. We're trying to connect people to Jesus. This morning, what do you need? You need to be connected to Jesus. You need a Jesus who rises above human leaders, who carries your loyalty higher than your loyalty to any particular tribe or any particular person. 
that before we are anything else, whether we are Washington football team's fans or Philadelphia Eagles fans, we are Jesus people. Before we are Republicans or Democrats or unaffiliated, we are Jesus people. That that loyalty goes higher than any other. Because Jesus rises above human leaders. Only he can really satisfy our needs. And why is that? What is the key thing that Jesus does that has what we really need? The key thing, we see it in verse 30, verse 29. The next day he, John, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, this is John's inner, when he sees Jesus, this is the first thing he says about him when he actually sees Jesus. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why is Jesus what we really need? Jesus is what we really need because he takes away our sin. He does not simply tell us that we have a sin problem and that we need to do something about it. He does not simply tell us to work harder. He does not simply tell us that it's okay that you sinned in the past. Not even better than it's okay, because it's not okay. Um, not even just, I forgive your sin. I paid for the price for sin. Even more than that, he takes away the sin. He takes it away. And this is going back, back in, the, in the history of the people of Israel. They had this beautiful picture in their day of atonement ceremony that's described in the Old Testament in Leviticus that actually was just celebrated in the day of what we now call Yom Kippur. And I, I don't know if anybody still does this. I'm sure there's some communities of, of Orthodox Jews that probably do. But, but back in the, the way it's described in the Old Testament, they would take all of the sins of the people and they would, uh, the high priest would lay his hands on a goat. And he would lay his hands on the goat and over that goat, he would confess all the sins of the people. And then they would take that goat and they would send it into the desert. It's called the scapegoat where our English word scapegoat comes from. It is the one who takes all the sins of the people and takes them away. And they are gone. Now, they did lots of other things. They took another goat and they sacrificed it, recognizing that there must be payment for the sins. But it's the two halves of it. The sins must be paid. That's what Jesus did on the cross. And the sins must be removed. And they go away. And that's what John is saying here, is that Jesus is going to take away all the sins. He is not just telling you to make them better. He is paying the price for them. He is making real forgiveness possible when he goes to his death on the cross as a perfect sacrifice. But he is also removing them. This is the promise of Jesus' resurrection. That when Jesus rose from the dead, he said, it's over. Death is over. Sin is over. Your sins are going to be taken away. Now, in the reality of how God has given us this life to work out, we don't see that happen instantly. We do not live perfect and sinless lives. We still deal with the reality of ongoing sin, and we are moving through stages of, of seeing greater victory over that, but never perfection in this life. But we have the promise that it's coming, and we have the promise that even now Jesus is taking away pieces of our sin that we will not struggle with again. We will not fall into again. And he continues to take away more and more pieces of our sin until one day in the new heavens and the new earth, when he comes back to make all things new, he will fully take away sin forever. And sin will have no more part in this world. And is that not a beautiful picture of what we want? A world without sin. A world where people do not hurt each other. 
a world where people are not selfish, a world where people do not get sick, where people do not die, where people do not suffer. All of these things come from sin. And so what does that mean for us right now today? We have this vision of the glorious future. But right now today, it means that what we need from Jesus is to deal with our sin in the right way. If Jesus is the only one who can truly take away our sin, then we need to go to him to deal with our sin. It is so easy when we do something wrong to just try to make up for it. When you hurt somebody that you love, your wife, your child, your parent, your sibling, it's probably the place where we do most of our hurting. Uh, sometimes, you know, it might be a coworker or a friend, and you kind of know it, but you kind of don't want to admit it. You kind of know it, they kind of know it. And so what you do, instead of, instead of really admitting it, maybe not you, but some of us, uh, you just, you just kind of try to make up for it. You know you've hurt them, and so you try to be extra nice. And if you're on the receiving end of that, you know, it doesn't really work. You're, you know they're being kind of extra nice, and you're like, Can, but it still hurts. And what we need, what we need in our relationships with other people, what we need in our relationship with God is simply to confess to say straight up, no, I have sinned. I have done wrong. And I have hurt you in a way that honestly, there's no way that I can truly take that away. What I need from God is the forgiveness of Jesus. And what I need from you whom I've hurt is your forgiveness. Taking hold of Jesus' forgiveness for you, that you would offer that to me. That we may truly be healed and we may truly see our sins taken away. And then what, what happens, though? What happens? How does this actually work that we move towards not sinning? It's because of what we get here in verse 33. The great promise that John offers. I myself did not know him, but he, that's God, who sent me to baptize with water, said to me, God said to John, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And this is why we need Jesus, because Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. And by Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, now our sin can actually be taken away. Now we can actually be different. See, John was baptizing with water, symbolizing the people's desire to repent, their desire to turn back and receive the coming God. They said, we really want this, says, but that's not good enough. You need the one who is to come. You need Jesus to come because he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And that is what is actually going to change your life. That is where your sins are actually going to be taken away. Where you can walk now in obedience and faithfulness, not continuing to fall into the same cycles, but actually changing. Where even though you may not feel it as much because you continue to be more and more aware of your own sin, as we grow in our love of God, we actually become more aware of our sin. Sometimes we think we have gotten worse, but I guarantee you that the people around you will see. They will say, this person is not the same as they were. This person is different. They love better. They serve more. They're less selfish. They talk about Jesus more. They talk about what they're learning more. This person is different. I, I knew I know a family who had... Um, the, the teenage daughter said to her mom recently, she said, Mom, you, you never used to talk about Jesus like this. For the past year and a half, like, you're just talking about Jesus all the time. Why? She could see a difference in her mom because her mom is growing in relationship 
with Jesus. Her mom is feeling more of the Holy Spirit that God has put inside of her. That Holy Spirit had actually been there for a long time in her life, but he's come more alive in her life in recent years, and it is a beautiful thing to see. So what does that mean for us? It means we expect, we expect change, and we ask for change. This is why we love to pray. We pray in the middle of our service. We pray for people after our service. We pray for people during the week because we expect that God can change things. We expect that the Holy Spirit will work. We expect the Holy Spirit will work in all kinds of ways. In this context, he's really mostly talking about sin and that the Holy Spirit will work to take away our sins, that we would know that we are forgiven, that we would not be racked by guilt and shame anymore, that we would actually be different, become more like Jesus in our lives. But the Holy Spirit can also take away the effects of sin. He can take away sickness. He can bring healing. He can do miracles to provide for situations that seem impossible. And so we expect that God will do things. And we pray and seek the help of the Holy Spirit. This is where we go first. In real practical terms, what does this mean? This means that when we have problems, whether they are problems with our behavior, problems with how other people are treating us, problems with big circumstances in our lives, that books are good, friends are good, thought is good, plans are good, but first we go to prayer and we seek the help of the Holy Spirit. We put that first in our life, that we may receive this baptism again and again. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you've been baptized, even if you were actually literally physically baptized with water, that was that you might be baptized with his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. If you've been baptized into Jesus, put your faith in him, but you want more and more of that Holy Spirit. So seek it. Seek him. Ask for him. Ask for him to work in prayer. Turn to Jesus above all things because only Jesus rises above human leaders. Only Jesus truly takes away our sin and only Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these promises, this hope from John. We pray this will become more and more of a reality in our lives each and every day. That each of us, as we put our faith in you and have been baptized into you, that we would receive more and more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That we might be changed. That we might be different. That we might be able to truly love those around us in a way that puts others before ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.